Well, as we speak, there are currently negotiations going on to form a three-party coalition. For many months leading up to the election, it was believed that it would be a simple process with just two parties, National and ACT. And then a couple of things happened, and one in particular which could have changed the election outcome. Let's check it out. So on September the 25th, which was just under three weeks before the election, but just one week before advance voting, our Straight Talk panel show had an interview with ACT leader David Seymour. Now, as I'll show you shortly, his polling was already in a bit of trouble. But here is, uh, at one stage, he was polling in the high teens, as high as 15%. You can see there in the Roy Morgan poll. So, you know, if that had been correct, that could have been up to 18 MPs. And it was believed that he might be able to almost double the size of his current caucus from the current 10 in the last parliamentary term. But then there were a number of uh, issues around some of the uh, ACT candidates, with five candidates pulling out in the space of a few weeks. And National Leader Christopher Luxon announced that National would not rule out working with New Zealand First. But then David Seymour had an interview on our program, Straight Talk. Now, a reminder that ACT ultimately ended up with just 9% on election night. And David Seymour, in this interview on Straight Talk, took particular exception to three questions. Uh, one was a question where we were keen to find out just how much he wanted to expand the euthanasia law because it was quite clear in overseas jurisdictions that it was being expanded into areas never considered when first legalised in those countries. It seemed a fair question to us. But David took particular exception and said that we were lying about what was happening overseas. Have a watch. David, you've talked about wanting to expand the criteria for euthanasia, which you mentioned there. How far do you want to expand the criteria? I mean, overseas it can include children, disabilities. Canada is moving towards mental illness, qualifying from next year, people sick of living. How far does that expansion go? Um, well, I'm not going to get into an argument about your mischaracterization of, of overseas law, but what I will say oh, is that well, I what mischaracterization was there? I mean, that is the case, isn't it? Well, the, the idea that you can have assisted dying because you're tired of living, I mean, that, that's not illegal in any country. Um, but in any event, uh, I believe that the assisted dying bill that I introduced to Parliament in 2015 uh, was the correct one. It allowed a person with a grievous and irremediable medical condition in an advanced state of decline in capability, such as somebody with motor neuron disease, uh, it allowed such a person to access assisted dying, even if their life was not terminal within six months. And those people uh, should have the right to choose, just as with someone who has a six-month prognosis. I'm talking about people with Huntington's, I'm talking about people with mostly quite rare disorders uh, that will end their life, but perhaps not until they have many more years of suffering, they would prefer to avoid. Um, so I would like the bill to be uh, returned to its original form, um, not the version that was eventually passed, which involved compromises, largely to get the Green Party on side. So would you just list certain disabilities, not all disabilities or all conditions? Oh, well, with respect, Bob, um, 
a disability does not qualify you to access assisted dying. That is totally untrue. Well, if, you're, if you don't take treatment, you could be terminal. Some disabled, that's why disability, disabled people are scared of the bill, aren't they? Um, well, again, because their condition untrue. is terminal. Uh, that's, well, that's untrue. Once again, you have to be in an advanced state of irreversible decline in physical capability. Now, a person who, who has a disability, they may have declined at some part, point in the past, um, but they are not in a state of decline because they live with a disability. So again, you, you know, I, I think it's a really instructive that people who are opposed to the bill for the most part have been very quiet for the last two years because people can see that they spread misinformation. I'm really <laughs> no, disappointed. Quiet, that's for sure. Have it. Well, no one's heard you. I'm really disappointed to to see that you are still saying things that are untrue uh, when there are you know legitimate arguments. If you disagree with it on a spiritual basis, you should say that, but you shouldn't try and say things that are untrue. That is for one thing, unChristian. Well, I think most people disagree because of the vulnerability of uh, people who are sick and towards the uh, perhaps the end stage of their life or having difficulty but are you saying to me that you would never consider uh, mental illness um, as a qualifier i'm sorry the, the legislation explicitly excludes people with a mental condition it says that you must be in an advanced state of decline and physical capability you know bob i'm yeah. happy to but have a debate based on the facts of what it People who aren't terminal, doesn't it? You're saying you want to bring back in terminal. Well, I mean, you all, I believe that it should say what it said uh, initially, and that is that you should be in an advanced state of irreversible decline and physical capability, that it should not include a purely mental condition. Um, you know, that's what I've explained in my opening answer. Um, and now you're, you know, trying okay. to no, no, that's fine, David. People that's a yes. about not only the contents of the bill, but also um, my position on it. No, that's fine. That's a yes to my uh, question, which is great. Ate, your question. Okay, so we did finally get there, which seemed to be that uh, he was ruling out other conditions like uh, mental illness and minors, uh, which we've seen happen overseas, but it took a bit of conflict, didn't it? Uh, the second valid question was where we asked David Seymour uh, the legitimate question that many people were asking. Why was ACT targeting a strong national seat of Tāmaki rather than targeting a left-wing seat like, for example, Auckland Central? Why was he undermining a national stronghold when the National Party had for many elections not campaigned in Epsom in order to help ACT? It seemed that there was another motivation for targeting Tamaki, and of course we knew what that was because they themselves had admitted it. They were targeting Tamaki because they disagreed with Simon O'Connor, the then national MP in Tamaki, his stance on abortion. To make sure that this beautiful part of Auckland feels represented and gets the genuine representation that they deserve. Vin Valden also claiming incumbent Simon O'Connor's conservative views on social issues such as abortion were not shared by those in the electorate. Well, people want someone who does believe that people should have choice, that women should have choice over their bodies. Okay, so rather than defend their decision, which we've just seen, admitted. Uh, David Seymour proceeded to deny that he had received any help from National in the Epsom seat and note the pro-life stance definitely wasn't a motivation. For anybody familiar with politics, this was clearly false, both about the Epsom seat and the reason for targeting Tamaki. But then David took on the role of 
headmistress and proceeded to verbally discipline us because we dared to ask this question. Have a watch. Okay, you've made a decision to target a national seat, the seat of Tamaki. Um, interestingly, the current MP is one of the champions for free speech within the National Party. But have you just gone after him because he's pro-life and anti-euthanasia? Because why not have Brooks stand in something like Auckland Central, for example, that doesn't involve splitting the vote? Well, um, let me just answer you with three ways there. First of all, um, there's no such thing as a national seat. Uh, Epsom's not an act seat. It belongs to the voters. Uh, it's their choice. Uh, it was gifted by national to you, though, wasn't it? Uh, well, that's also untrue. I, I, I can't believe how one person can get so much wrong. Um, but actually, <laughs> so National has done well, no favours for you in Epsom? No, Act 1 at Fair and Square. So no, again, has I mean, National's done no favours? No, they haven't. Okay. Frankly, you know, I find it that you can lie and then laugh at, at destroying truth. I, I actually don't know what the point of continuing the interview is. Well, let's continue. Let's find a better question. Although, could we just ask, why are you targeting Tamaki? Is it because well, of I the anti-abortion? I, I mean, do you, do you actually, would you actually like to continue this interview on the basis of good faith and truth? Uh, because otherwise, I'm, you know, I, I mean, you've, you've put out so much misinformation about how the End of Life Choice Act works, uh, how it works in other how similar acts work in other countries about the history of seats, I mean, you, you know, this. <laughs> so are you, are you going to commit to, to being committed to truth or, or not? Always committed to truth. So why are you targeting Tamaki? Well, basically, well, hang on a second. I mean, are, are you, you, so you are committed to having a truthful exchange and discussion? <laughs> yeah, of course. You are. All right. Well, David, well, I want I'll to ask you. you I'll assume you mean, I mean, assume you're saying yes. Um, the, the, second issue, the second issue is people have asked uh, endlessly, uh, will you stand someone in Tamaki? The guy that we have there, we never hear from him. When we do hear from him, what he says is disgraceful. It is just embarrassing to our electorate. Um, so, you know, that's the second issue. Um, and the third issue is that, you know, act and national in that seat are polling over 70%. Um, so mathematically, even if they split 35-35 um, and there's, no, there's only one other candidate, that third candidate's going to get 30 and come third. So, um, you know, the seat will be won by ACT or National and based on everything we're hearing and the polling we're doing, uh, I suspect it will be ACT. How do you know he hasn't been present in the electorate? Um, because that is the endless told opinion you. of people. Who, okay. Well, actually, it's Michael. not somebody, it's, it's, it's person after person uh, saying, when are you going to stand someone in Tamaki? And when you get that sort of feedback, you think maybe we should stand someone there. Okay, so we finally got there. Uh, finally, a question on the conversion therapy law, which, as you know, criminalizes parents, counselors and medical professionals who don't accept gender ideology and the locking of children into transgenderism. Interestingly, as you'll see from the excerpt, he actually eventually raises the exact concerns that we were asking him about. Uh, but it, it did take a little while. Here's uh, the question. It's two-part because uh, Dr. Ate Moala then joins in. David, you supported the law, the conversion therapy law. It was voted for unanimously by ACT. It's a law that criminalises parents who may affirm their daughters as girls and their sons as boys and who refuse to allow them to go on 
puberty blockers. In fact, ACT MP Nicole McKee sorry, raised really good concerns around the role and protection of good parents who might reject gender ideology. So I'm just interested to know why did ACT still support the law that puts parents at risk? I think, again, it's, you know, here we go again, it's another mischaracterization. Um, at the end of the day, uh, what I looked at was, are there people who in the modern era are carrying out just really grotesque, you know, the kind of stuff that I hope you wouldn't support, but at this point I wouldn't be surprised, you know, pray the gay away, tell people that they're bad people and that they can be fixed for their homosexuality. So, you know, at the end of the day, yes, there's always a possibility that any uh, law would be misused. But, you know, when I look at that kind of activity, I just think it's, it's time to um, ensure uh, that there's actually some protection against that sort of activity. Okay, but the law prevents people getting counselling that they personally want for, for example, unwanted gender ideology, gender dysphoria. That seems to go against a libertarian principle, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure that it does, to be honest. I, I think, you know, again, I can see where you're going, but uh, the law doesn't prevent somebody from getting uh, counselling that they want. It, prov it prevents the, the kind of wacky stuff, which unfortunately people are still subject to. And I, I started out very sceptical about this law. Um, and then I looked at some of the recent cases, like within the last few years, of the kind of outfits that have taken kids and you know tried to tell them that being gay is a, a disease and that you know with the right treatment they can be made natural again i mean I'm, I'm surprised you're not more concerned about that than some sort of hypothetical abuse of the law for which there's no evidence so how many complaints have actually been made since the law was passed well if i look at the cases that were the justification for the law um, I suspect that there will have been a few, but in any event, just because a law hasn't attracted complaints doesn't mean you shouldn't have it. Yeah, well, there's been none. Ate, have you got a question? Yeah, um, David, I'm not sure whether you're aware that the, you know, outfits overseas in Europe, uh, you know, I'm banning these uh, injection hormone uh, uh, puberty blockers because mm. of the evidence of bone, you know, um, problem with the, you know, weakening of the bones of these kids. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're aware of that, uh, but, you know, it's not just, you know, what you're claiming that it's wacky stuff. This is scientific evidence of the destruction that is happening to these children. So I'm not sure whether you're oh, yeah. aware of that and that, um, uh, yeah, maybe I well, can yeah, send yeah, some yeah. of yeah. for you to consider. You're now, you're, now talking about, you're now talking about a completely different issue. What is wacky is some of the pray the gay away uh, retreats and camps where um, people have been, you know, just predated on by absolute crazies that, that somehow, um, you know, the, the likes of Family First don't seem concerned about. I think you should be. Um, the second issue That's misinformation is, there, David. Don't, don't accuse others of it. <laughs> So, so are you saying that you you are concerned about some of these wacky pray the gay away camps that have occurred? Against all coercive, abusive counselling, none of that should happen. But what this bill does, so it, you it are locks people you are into transgenderism. 
So you you are concerned about these pray the gay away camps abusive and, and coercive counselling. Everybody was everybody are, acknowledged you are, that. You are concerned about that. I mean, are you? I, mean, I just told you, you we're against abusive coercive counselling, but mm. people should have the right to determine the way they want to live their life and seek counselling for that. But you've vo you've voted mm. to criminalise that to criminalise people who want to seek well, counselling. No, we we really. We really haven't, um, but in any event, I'm pleased well, to hear have. that you, even though it took a while, we, we got you to express concern for some of the other things that have been going on too. We well, um, obviously don't know what the law answer, says. Try and answer Etty's question. Okay. Um, the, the simple issue, yeah, Ate, the simple issue is that, um, you know, the, what what's going on with some of these injections, puberty blockers, I, I think they're introduced to kids at far too younger an age. Um, and I actually think that you know we need to be asking ourselves who gets to make these medical decisions at, at what age uh, a lot more closely because people are being asked to make irreversible decisions at an age I don't think they're capable of. And I think uh, there'll be a future time when we'll look back at some of this stuff um, a little bit like we look at you know some of the old-fashioned views today and say, God, did we really, you know, have a time when people were that exclusive uh, or that intolerant or believe that people almost had to be chopped into one box if they didn't fit in the right one um, and, you know, had it done surgically and chemically. That, that, that I think people will see as being wrong in future. You uh, were supposed to be, what, I think 20 minutes and I've got someone calling at 5.30. So all I'm going to have to love you. Love you but, David, really um, appreciate your time and all the best for the campaign. Thank you, yeah, David. I'm just sorry that um, so much of what you said wasn't true. It made for a much less present, pleasant discussion. Seemed to go both ways, David. Right. All the best yeah, for the campaign. Really, Thanks for your time. Appreciate really, it. it. Thank really you. Good. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Yeah, well, there we are. Um, I mean, his comments at the end about uh, puberty blockers and uh, hormones, cross-sex hormones, etc., were spot on. Uh, but it just took a lot of conflict to get there. And despite our attempts to politely end the interview, the train wreck interview, David Seymour continued to treat us with contempt. Uh, look, to be honest, I've been interviewing politicians, including Helen Clark, uh, Sue Bradford, Don Brash, Tim Barnett, uh, and many other politicians that I may not agree with. But in 21 years of those interviews, that interview with David Seymour would be one of the most hostile and to be honest, I was shocked by his attitude. Now, the interview got significant viewership on our YouTube account. There was almost 29,000 views. And on our Facebook page, there was almost 56,000 views. And when you add up all our social media platforms, there was about 85,000 views in total. Everybody was talking about it. What the mainstream media didn't notice was that the ACT vote started to collapse uh, and that line there is the date that we published uh, the interview with David Seymour because it was pre-recorded uh, and uh, you can see there now the media say oh also there was uh, this result that came out in a poll a week after or that was polled a week after that interview and you can see a massive drop there for ACT New Zealand first benefited and so did National. Now, the media would say that it was because of Luxon's announcement that he would work with New Zealand first, and there may be some truth to that, but the overwhelming feedback from voters since the election, including from senior ACT Party members, 
who have spoken to me is that the interview resulted in a significant number of people changing their vote. And it may just be that we're dealing with a three-party coalition rather than a two-party coalition because of that one interview. The other point that has been made by both senior members of political parties but also our support base is that unlike the mainstream media, we actually gave the political leaders the opportunity to talk. We weren't trying to score points or get a headline and viewers appreciated the fact that they could actually hear fully what the political leaders believed in and what their policies were. In the case of David Seymour, we seemed to just let him dig his own hole, which was catastrophic for the ACT Party vote. So there you have it. We'll never know for sure just how much that interview damaged the ACT vote and helped National and New Zealand first. But what's most interesting is that it was other media, not the mainstream media, that provided these interviews which had the greatest impact on the election outcome. It reminds us just how much the media landscape has changed and why the mainstream media are struggling to survive at the moment. The good news is that Straight Talk will be back next year and will continue to make waves as one of the few programs that is unashamedly and unapologetically socially conservative. Hopefully the politicians will realise that when they next come on the programme.